Om Gyana Tiran Hasya Gyanam Jana Shalakaya Chakshurin Militam Yana Tasma Shivarani So uh, these verses are describing the Purush incarnation namely Karadaksha Vishnu, Dhabadaksha Vishnu and Kshiradaksha Vishnu. These are the forms of the Lord who uh, apparently have some contact with the material nature. Although, uh, as is stressed both in the previous verse and this verse, lest there be any misunderstanding, the Lord is always transcendental to this material nature, even though appearing to be within it. The Paramatma feature of the Lord is uh, of three forms. The uh, super soul of the whole material creation, who oversees the overseer of the whole material creation, current action. The super soul or the overseer of each individual universe is Dharmadakshan Vishnu. And the form of the Lord Chiradakshan Vishnu, who is both also within this universe residing, it is both in this universe residing in his own planet, as Shirtadvi, on the ocean of milk, hence the name Chiradakshan, which literally means one who lies down on the uh, milk, on, on the water of milk. So this uh, form of the Lord also enters within the heart of every living being. Upadrashtana Mantacha, Bhukta Bhata Maheshwarha, Paramatmeti Tiyukta. In the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna describes that he who is called the Paramatma is the overseer of everything, the witness of everything. And he is the person who allows everything to go on. As the saying goes, not a blade of grass moves without the Lord's will. Or as the saying goes in English, man proposes and God disposes. In other words, man may have various desires, but uh, that can only be fulfilled by the grace of the Lord. So, Upadrashtami Mantacha Bharata, he is the, uh, the uh, Lord of the universe. Bharata, Bhokta, he is the actual enjoyer. And the Heshwara, he is the supreme controller. Paramatma Tirtyukto, Dehe Smin Purusha He is uh, present within the body of every living being, yet he is a transcendental person. He is not bound up by the body as the Jiva soul within the body is. So the Paramatma is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but he is functioning in a certain manner, as Lord Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, I reciprocate with everyone according to their degree of surrender to me. So the conditioned soul is not at all surrendered to the Lord, uh, not on his terms. No one can avoid me, everyone is in contact with me one way or another. But the conditioned souls are in relationship with Krishna indirectly through his external energy. They are not surrendered to Krishna. So uh, Krishna reciprocates with them by uh, actually not revealing himself to them. Although uh, he is in intimate contact with them always, they do not wish to acknowledge his existence even. Or even if the conditioned souls acknowledge the Lord's existence, they do so principally to fulfill their perverted material desires. Therefore, although the Paramatma is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, due to the indifference of the conditioned souls towards him, he doesn't act uh, in, in that uh, 
reciprocal in, in a loving manner of the lover to lover. Therefore, Paramatma realization of the Lord is, is even though it is uh, acceptance of him as a person, it is still not complete. And the realization of the Brahman feature of the Lord is a big realization of the transcendence. There are various examples given in Shastra to uh, elucidate the meanings of Brahman, Paramatma and Bhagavan realization. One example is that of a traveler on a plane approaching a city, traveling on a plane, P-L-A-I-N. So in a dis- from a distance he, he just may vaguely make out some object, distance, some large object in the distance. But because he is uh, at a great distance, he only perceives it as some kind of object without seeing its the, the details within it. Thus he may mistake that city to be uh, a low-lying cloud or a dust cloud, or he may mistake it to be a hill. When he comes closer, he can distinguish that it's a city, but still he doesn't, being at a distance, he doesn't, um, he can't distinguish what are the particular features of the city. In other words, he can vaguely understand that it's a city only. Now, when he enters into the city, you can see that here are the roads, here are the bathing places, here are the civic institutions, here are the parks, and so on. And in this way, he can uh, take advantage of the city life and uh, and have a complete and correct understanding of actually what this is. Yeah. A similar example is given of approaching a mountain. So, Paramatma realization of the Lord means uh, acceptance of Him as a person, but with by a, the acceptance of Him as a person by a person who doesn't really want to enter into a very close relationship with Him. One can go on from the Paramatma realization to become Bhagavan realized. But just like a, a traveler approaching a city, if he keeps himself at a distance from the city, he cannot avail of its facilities, nor can he properly understand what it is. So the Bhagavatam is giving detailed knowledge of the personality of Maha, as has been stated earlier in this chapter. That the uh, knowers of the truth, they know it as a... Uh, a single tattva or a single entity with three aspects, namely Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. So uh, these three aspects of the Absolute Truth are described and in, in, in full uh, context within Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, the emphasis is on understanding Bhagavan, the personality of Godhead, who, although these three principles are non-different, uh, Bhagavan is the a substratum of the other two principles. In other words, the other two principles are dependent on Bhagavan. So here the Paramatma is being uh, described in relation to the material world, and indeed there is no other way to describe the Paramatma because he exists in this form only within the material world. And even for the devotees who uh, give themselves to Krishna, then the Lord uh, in his Bhagavan feature, reciprocates with them from within their heart, rather than his semi-personal feature as Paramatma. Actually, there is no qualitative difference between Paramatma and Bhagavan. But uh, when we speak of a Bhagavan-realized soul, we mean one who is in a pact of love with the Supreme Personality. So the same Paramatma who 
deals um, in a rather administrative manner towards the Jesus in this material world, reveals himself more and more as the Supreme Personality of Godhead to those devotees who worship him with love. As the Lord says in Bhagavad Gita, I am equal to all beings, I favor none, nor disfavor any. So this is the Lord uh, speaking from the platform of Paramatma. He is a uh, fair administrator to all But then he says, But for one who considered what the nature of reality is, practically just like animals, then uh, everyone, every human being has to try and make some kind of understanding of reality. However, uh, without accepting Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, all philosophical attempts are all simply foolishness and ignorance, because they don't correspond with reality. Even if they are highly developed systems of philosophy, and there are many highly developed systems of philosophy, but if they don't come to the point of understanding Krishna, then that means they're wrong. As the English saying goes, as a missus is good as a maya. In other words, in a shooting competition, there's a board, and if you miss it by one millimeter, you missed it. If you missed it by one mile or one kilometer, you also missed it. It's, you get the same amount of points, zero. So, uh, proper understanding of Krishna consciousness is essential, especially in the uh, in the face of so many uh, wrong philosophies being propagated in the world. Yesterday, without getting into many details, I was discussing impersonalism and voidism, which is uh, one of the major manifestations of philosophical incorrectness which bewilders the conditioned soul, and which is therefore uh, repeatedly addressed and defeated in Vaishnava literature, including Srimad Bhagavatam. And, of course, Srila Prabhupada was also, as a typical Vaishnava Acharya, Srila Prabhupada was also uh, very strongly combative against impersonalism and voidism. Now, another, as we know, another uh, major misconception that Srila Prabhupada repeatedly and strongly spoke against was the modern idea that life has come into being as a, from a random combination of chemicals. Now, if we examine these verses of Bhagavatam, which describe how the Lord enters into the universe and there and by his direction organizes or oversees the organization of everything, um, then both of these wrong ideas are completely defeated by understanding this. So even though impersonalism and voidism on one hand and uh, modern evolutionary theory on the other may appear to be quite different philosophies, they are both uh, defeated by the same correct understanding of reality. So devotees on uh, one hand, they uh, study what are the defects of all these wrong philosophies. And on the other hand, they uh, study these passages from Shastra which describe the actual correct position of the personality of Godhead in relation to his dependent material and marginal energies. Material and, sorry, material, yeah, and marginal and actually, devotees are not interested in the same way as, for instance, uh, 
the the non-sakas Vedic sense enjoyers, the so-called Vedic sense enjoyers, Sankhyaites, or so-called Vedic, another form of atheists, impersonalists, they're not interested in as these people are simply discussing and defeating other philosophers. But eventually devotees, they're interested, their real interest is in simply worshipping their glorious Lord. But because their service to the Lord, their worship of the Lord, entails preaching Krishna consciousness. Therefore, they study and defeat these philosophies, wrong philosophies. And so that they themselves may be purged of misconceptions from which are generated from these wrong philosophies. Therefore, they very carefully study the philosophy of Bhagavatam. So, so as I said yesterday, I discussed a little bit about impersonalism and pointism. Um, we can discuss a little bit about the uh, evolutionary theory now. And last night I was reading in Prabhupada's Gita purport how the science of anthropology is based, it is developed on the basis of the uh, Darwin's evolutionary theory. Which theory? The science of anthropology is mm. developed on the basis of Darwin's evolution. So, uh, I happen to have uh, an Encyclopedia Britannica in my computer, so I looked up anthropology. Yeah, out of curiosity. Out of curiosity to uh, find out more details about this statement given by Srila Prabhupada. And as usual, when we study anything about evolutionary theory, it's very interesting. It's interesting because it's, on the one hand, so absurd, on the other, and on the other hand, so almost universally accepted in modern society. It is uh, quite striking how the whole world is functioning on the basis of a gross absurdity, which. Uh, it's, it seems almost amazing how people in general can't even detect such absurdity. This life comes in, this life from life comes from life. Prabhupada just completely takes apart all these rubbish ideas of the scientists. That uh, scientists, they present to the world that we are teaching that which is verified and proven, but they have no proof of evolution. Nevertheless, they talk of it as if it's a fact, which Prabhupada pointed out is simply cheating. They insist that everything should be uh, empirically proven, although there's no such thing actually as empirically proven, but they presume that there is. But uh, their case for evolution is, is mostly based on guesswork. So I was reading in this article about anthropology how man. The, the, early, the earliest species of man developed, how? Because as the, the more strong monkeys were eating more and better food, then they became bigger than other monkeys. So it was no longer convenient then to, for them to swing through the trees. So they came down and they uh, started walking around on the ground more. And because they had to reach up to the trees to get the fruit, therefore they became erect. Whereas monkeys, if you see them, they kind of scurry along the ground on, on using their hands and legs. So it's written in the Encyclopedia Britannica, which is highly respected as uh, an authoritative literature. This is how it's written. It's written as if it's a fact, but there's absolutely no proof. It's absolutely 
completely guesswork, based on a premise which is there's absolutely no proof for it whatsoever. And in fact, the overwhelming evidence, if they care to open their eyes to see, is against evolutionary theory. Maybe about uh, maybe about ten or twelve years ago, the uh, I was distributing books, especially Life Comes from Life, at the All India's annual science convention or something like that. So I went in one hostel and I met one professor and I asked him, well, what are you doing? And what's your profession as a professor? And he said that I most of the time nowadays I, I spend traveling around to conferences like this, mostly in India and throughout the world. Then he asked me what I was doing. And I said, well, I'm distributing these books. And I gave him Life Comes from Life. And he asked, well, what's, what is this book about? And I said, well, it shows that Darwin's theory is complete nonsense. And he laughed and he said, well, we already know that. <laughs> and he said, so I said, well, why are you still teaching it? Well, we don't have any other theory. <laughs> of course, many scientists, they, they don't accept that it's all nonsense. They're still very much uh, enamored by it. Maybe uh, evolutionary theory, the way that Darwin originally conceived of it, has been long since superseded, but they still stick to the basic principle of believing in evolution. You heard that? Believing in evolution? Did you, did, you, did you hear what I said? Believing in most... Many scientists, they, they're still believing in evolution. If it's believing in evolution, then how is it science? We don't say that, wow, I believe in what? It's, it's a universally accepted fact. I mean, we may have people who... The Flat Earth Society, for instance, they believe that the Earth is flat. It's, it's not a globe. But we don't have the no-water theory. We don't have no water bodies, ajala bodies. It's, uh, it's a universally accepted fact. I mean, there's not even any branch of fanatical religionists. Or, there's no one in the world who denies that water exists. It's not a theory. It's an, ex it's an accepted fact. However, scientists, although they like to present evolution as, as uh, a fact, they, uh, when pressed, they have to say that I believe in it. You can't prove it. Well, we are Vaishnavas. We are not modern anthropologists. Which is, the, the very uh, desire to study so many different things is, is actually based on atheism. The idea that we should study so many facets of the observed world in so many ways is based on the idea that we, by knowledge, we can dominate the environment, we can control the environment. The Vaishnav, he studies nature this way, through Bhagavata. And in uh, Vedic society also there may be specialists in various branches of knowledge, but with a very different motive to persons who want to study nature, to forget God, and uh, or to deny God, and to attempt to dominate nature. For instance, the student of Ayurveda uh, accepts the existence of God, and he accepts that medicine doesn't work if God doesn't want it to. And the uh, enlightened student of Ayurveda, he studies with the object of helping to people to gain their, or to maintain their physical health, because the human body is a good vehicle for developing 
Krishna consciousness. So let us uh, study Kaupak's books, the most essential books of knowledge, which give uh, clear knowledge of the science of God, and which are presented uh, in a manner suitable for us to understand. There may be uh, many Vaishnavas who now they they don't like to discuss all these different things about modern scientists and so many things. Nor are they capable of defeating the scientists as Prabhupada was. But they just like to discuss, for instance, Rasa Kata and Krishna's pastime. But unless there is systematic training in the science of God, uh, and particularly breaking of the, the wrong theories prevalent in modern society, unless there is this, then uh, we may breed a class of semi-theists and semi-atheists, which may sound like a contradiction, I'll explain that. Uh, that we, we meet uh, many people in India who are on one hand attracted to Krishna consciousness, they like to come to the temple, they like to attend the RTs. On the other hand, because uh, modern education is based on this Darwin's theory, the modern atheistic theories, and because they haven't heard the refutation, the refutation of the of these theories and the proper establishment of Vaishnava philosophy, they uh, somehow, even though they like to come to the temple, they don't really believe in God. Even if they like to come to the temple, even if they like to come to the temple, they don't really believe in God. Mm. They. Uh, they, their world view, their, their view of reality is that everything has come from nothing. The, everything is simply, life has come from matter. So even though by sentiment they're devotees, by conviction they are atheists. So similarly, if we only, it's very nice to talk about Krishna's pastimes and all these things, and just to say bhajans, and not really be too much concerned with understanding the philosophy of Krishna consciousness in detail. Or we may uh, even study the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, but only in what I shall call a classical manner. In other words, we study all the, the different uh, philosophical theories and the breaking of the wrong theories, which were given by previous Acharya. But we don't take much note of the uh, prevalent misconceptions in society today, or the misconceptions prevalent in society. But this is actually the mark of Prabhupada as the true Acharya of the age, that he recognized the uh, misconceptions prevalent in society at the time, and addressed them and defeated them on the basis of Bhagavad philosophy. So it is our duty as followers of Prabhupada to, on the one hand, uh, develop Krishna consciousness by understanding Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and on the other hand, to uh, take the trouble to understand how all other theories are wrong and to defeat them. It is not sufficient for Vaishnavas and particularly followers of Prabhupada simply to cultivate Krishna consciousness by hearing about the pastimes of Krishna, singing different bhajans and so on. They must also combat the uh, misconceptions prevalent in the world. That is our duty as followers of Srila Prabhupada. Of course, the best way to do that in a general way is to distribute Srila Prabhupada's books. Yesterday I was speaking about Bhagavad Gita as it is in the science of self-realization. These are very effective. Well, Bhagavad Gita as it is is very effective for combating impersonalism. 
And science of self-realization is very good for giving a, a gel and easily understandable uh, presentation of Christian consciousness. But the best book for exploding the wrong theories of the uh, atheistic scientists is this Life Comes From Life. A small book, but so powerful and so revolutionary. So, study these books, distribute these books. Devotee, when he sees all the misconceptions prevalent in the world, he wants to rectify them. That is the duty of the members of the Christian Conscious Movement. Are there any questions about this? Okay. Well, let's take now questions related to this class, if there are any. And other questions we'll take in the evening. Any questions related to this class? Well, what is to this class? As we, as conditioned living entities, for condition, for conditioned living entity, spiritual reality is also kind of illusion because he has no direct experience of it. So how can a conditioned living entity enter into this reality, which seems to him to be just another illusion? It seems to be an illusion. It's not an illusion. <coughs> Therefore, tamasim Yotir-gamaya Come out of the darkness, come to the light. Utishta, jagrata, prapya varangli rodhita Get up, wake up, attain the goal of human life. We are in the... Uh, position of ignorance. We really take knowledge. Tasmad Gurum Prabhadya Tajya Gnyasi Shri Uttama. One should approach the Guru and inquire about the highest necessity by remaining illusion. How to come out? Take to the process of Krishna consciousness. Uh, perfect impersonalists, they could in their meditation they can see Paramatma feature of the Lord. What happens after they see it? Should they change their outlook, their philosophy? What happens? You like this word perfect. Perfect impersonalist is the devotee. It means he, he understands the impersonal aspect in relation to Bhagavan. If one is uh, simply an impersonalist without any knowledge of Bhagavan, then his <coughs> impersonal concept is incomplete and therefore imperfect. The Sanskrit word Purana means complete, it also means perfect. So anyway, uh, impersonalism in itself doesn't lead to uh, Paramatma realization. According to the sadhana one follows, then the, 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 the possibility of developing a certain kind of siddhi or perfection is, uh, is there. If one is on the uh, path of impersonalism, it doesn't lead to Paramatma realization. And similarly, Paramatma realization in and of itself doesn't lead to Bhagavan, uh, doesn't lead to Bhagavan realization. And impersonalists or Paramatma body, they can come to the platform of devotion as can even uh, a non-transcendentalist by the mercy of Krishna manifest through his devotees. Otherwise, uh, simply by following any process, either for impersonal realization or paramatma realization, that in itself will not lead to contradiction. Bhakti comes about by association with devotees. So Hare Krishna.